Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The finale of our wide receiver props breakdown here on the Prospects and Props podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you once again on the show. Hope you're all having a fantastic start to your day. The final group, Jamie, we still got some big names here left for us to discuss. And we'll start with one of the bigger names, one of the more talked about names this offseason in all of the wide receiver position. Maybe not for good reasons, but that being Buffalo Bills wide receiver, Stephon Diggs. And you guys know the drill here. I will give the props. I will give the historical context. And then Jamie will share his uh, thoughts based on the projections and things like that. So for Stefan Diggs, the numbers for him, 1,125 and a half on the yards, one of the higher numbers you'll see among wide receivers, rightly so, considering what Stefan Diggs has done in his career, and eight and a half on the touchdowns. When we look at this 1,125 and a half number, Jamie, he's hit this each of the last four seasons. His last year in Minnesota and all three seasons, and I think this is the important part, all three seasons with Josh Allen and relatively comfortably, 1,500 yards in 2020, mm-hmm. 1,200 yards in 2021, and 1,400 yards in 2022. The touchdowns, he's hit it each of the last two seasons, the only two years he's gone over double digits in his career. So, Jamie, you you look at the track record here. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, they've got a great relationship, but I worry about everything that has transpired this past offseason, and it's just a thought in the back of my mind. I don't think it impacts, but it is something that immediately comes to the forefront when I'm thinking and confronting whether or not I want to bet on these numbers. So... I agree and disagree at the same. I mean, I guess I can't disagree. Like your thoughts are your thoughts. I guess I can't disagree. You can't disagree with my thoughts. Have the thoughts. Yeah. Um, but I agree and disagree with that. They should be worthwhile thoughts. Uh, and in the sense of like, yes, I am thinking about that too. And and I think these numbers, in some sense, are factoring in some sort because I don't I don't really understand why these numbers are where they are and they're not closer to the thirteen hundred that we have seen with some of the other right. elite wide receivers that we've broken down. But I also can't think of a reason why Stefan Diggs won't continue to be a monster target hog in this Buffalo Bills offense. It's one and of those things where it's one of those things where there's nothing that tells you it's going to be a problem. But yeah. There's that deep part of your mind that goes, but it might be a problem. And that's where I go. To your point, Jamie, I don't know how much value to put on it. Yeah. But it's not a it's not a nothing burger. It is not a nothing burger what occurred in OTAs this offseason. It's not something well, no, you can because just completely that, cast aside. Well, because then just like to your point, it didn't just start in OTAs. This goes back to an argument that we saw on the sidelines during the playoffs right. uh, with the Bills. But is Stefan Diggs going to sit out games? Because to me, unless he's sitting out games, who cares? Right. It, it who cares? Matter. Right. And and if anything, what shuts up a receiver quicker than throwing the ball his way multiple times? And also, where else is the ball going to go in this offense? You I love, mean, it, you it's going to go to Gabe Davis. The glow up year for Gabe Davis. You love to keep sure. Me. Okay. Then where else? Right. So Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, fifty, sixty targets each. I mean, like, like the reality is, is they're just they're going to throw the ball a ton. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. They can't I run the ball. Really lo- I don't love their backfield situation right now, and they don't. Quite frankly, they can't run the ball, and they don't really want to run the ball very often. I have no issue with these. I have Stephon Diggs up over 14,000, 14, 1,400. If he gets over 14,000 yards, that would be a record. Uh, over 1,400 year. yards. Massive year incoming for Stephon Diggs. Uh, over 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. So it's interesting because you know now we've done – we're in the fifth and final group of the wide receiver group. 
And I feel like it's so chalky. And I know we said this on a previous episode, but like, I feel like the best values so far have been some of the elite players at the position, right? That because they're so good and there's a fear of setting the number too high and having people run to the under that I feel like we are getting some value on superstars, which is not really what I expected when we started this project. No, I just, I will say this. I I agree with all of your analysis there. I would still take the over on the yards as we sit here today, right? Everything I said about being concerned about the disagreements that have occurred between Stefan Diggs and the team and Josh Allen and whatever the case may be, whatever is going on there. I still would take the over because of all of the things that you mentioned. Yes. I'm still going to keep an eye on it. I'm still going to monitor it a little bit throughout the year. And and to mention this is just to to do the quick math for you. This is 66.21 yards per game is what you would need to hit the over. So, again, that's a lot, but not a lot for an elite receiver. No, not one bit. Um, You mentioned that the numbers for Stephon Diggs not in that elite of elite tier in comparison to some others. So, you know who is in that elite elite tier of numbers? That would be Tyreek Hill. 1300 yeah. and a half on the yards, seven and a half for second most. On That's the, the second hands. second highest line, only behind Justin Jefferson. Now, Jamie, he's only done this twice. He did it in 2018 with the Chiefs when he had 1478 yards. And you may be asking yourself, Chris, that was a really long time ago. Well, let me just check my notes here real quick. Um, he also did it last year in which he had yep. 1710 yards. Uh, yeah, and that to me is, again, we talked about valued superstars. I'm taking the over. I am at 1644 here, and I, I th- yes, we have to be concerned about Tua. But how many games did Tua play last year, Chris? Can you pull uh, that up for me? I, I will absolutely look it up for you. I, I can tell you it was not a full season. I can confirm uh, that if he's th- information. Th- thank you, Chris. You're very welcome. That's what I'm here for. That's the type of insight that you get uh, while I'm filibustering to try to look. Uh, he played in <clears throat> uh, 13 games last year. Okay. And how many yards you say Tyreek Hill had? Uh, he had 1,700. So you're already baked in here some tour injury risk, right? Uh, you're already baked into these numbers here a little bit of like you don't need 17 games of Tua for him to hit the old. Okay. Yes, I agree 100%. I, there's a statistic that is blowing my mind, but maybe you're going to tell me it's not going to blow my mind after I say it okay. out loud, and you're going to be like, no, this is commonplace, but I don't know why this stands out to me. Tua, now, 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 mm-hmm. all of the yards that that Tyreek Hill got were not from Tua, but just Correct. to put it in context, Tua threw for thirty five hundred and forty eight passing yards. Tyreek Hill had seventeen hundred receiving yards. That's fifty percent of what Tua did for the entire season. Does that not should that not blow my mind? Or is it? I mean, I mean, it, it, it should. The problem is, is you have four games of somebody else throwing the ball, right? So would that that would, but but yes, this this goes back to this being. An offense predicated on, excuse me, a passing game predicated on two receivers. And this is the conversation that I think is going to be really interesting. And we talked about Jalen Waddle in an earlier show. But if you talk about this Miami passing offense, and maybe they get that third receiver to emerge this year. Maybe they get that. Uh, I mean, I know, look, they before they signed, or excuse me, before they traded for Tyree Kill, they signed. Cedric Wilson Jr. coming off of a breakout-ish season in Dallas. We didn't really get to see him do much. Uh, They brought in your former favorite wide receiver, Braxton Berrios, that's come over as well. So maybe we have uh, some third option. Because remember last year was what, Trent Sherfield was their third option? Um, And we're talking like one or two catches a game. 
I mean, th- there was really nobody else. Jacecki is gone. They don't have a pa- Hunter Long is gone. I say that with an eye roll, but like there are no worst tight end real pass catching tight ends on the roster. They don't really have pass catching running backs that are primary. I mean, that yes, most are can Jeff Wilson can Devon A. Chain can, but those are not primary levels. When they throw the football, almost always it's going one of two places. It's going to Jalen Waddle or it's going to Tyree Kill. And that's why I believe that this sets up to be a really another value play here on the over because if Tyree Kill is healthy, he's going to get the ball. I would argue the backup quarterback situation, I know you would as well, is better this year than it was last year. Marketably improved. For Miami. So even if you get three or four or five missed games from Tua, I still think he's able to get to this number. So it's super high. As we said, it's tied for the second most only behind Justin Jefferson. But it should be because it's a combination of high-level talent and a stupid amount of potential target share I like it. You mentioned Braxton Berrios being my former favorite wide receiver. My current favorite wide receiver is the next guy up for us to discuss. That would be Garrett Wilson of the New York Jets. Uh, 11, 50 and a half on the yards, eight and a half on the touchdowns. Jamie, he had 1,100 yards last year. He had four touchdowns last year. So this number, not super far off from what he did last year. You're assuming the increase in production with Aaron Rodgers as his uh, quarterback. Listen, I like the over on the yards. I don't know what to do with the touchdowns. Again, we, we talk about this all the time. I don't love a bet that high on touchdowns. He only had four last year. Lazard is still in this offense. They've got some tight ends that can catch um, the, the 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 ball down in the red zone. Same thing with the running back. So it's not, I think, a foregone conclusion that down in the red zone, it's going to be the Garrett Wilson show and only the Garrett Wilson show. When I look at this yards prop, Jamie, I don't know. I like the over. Yeah, see, I'm the other way here. And I'm not going to bet on this one because I know I am – I am contrarian to where most people, both in the fantasy and the betting community, have Garrett Wilson. And this is not an argument against town. Why do you this hate Garrett argument. Wilson so much, Jamie? Why do you hate him? This is an argument. I actually met Garrett Wilson in person. Um, awesome, awesome dude, by the way. Yeah, it's my wide receiver. Really, one. really cool down to earth person. Um, I got a chance to be in the background of a set where uh, he and JSN did a, did a video together. It was really fun. By the way, somebody else we'll talk about later in this episode. My concern is here is there is legitimate second options on this team now. And I look at Alan Lazard, and I could see Alan Lazard having a similar target share to Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson will do more per target and will be more productive per target, I believe, than Alan Lazard. But I think he might not get as many targets as people are thinking. I think he's going to might be in this 110, 120-ish target range which will be pretty good, but it's going to make it difficult for him to do anything more than push into that like 900 to 1,000 yard range. So I could be totally wrong on this read. And I think that is my hesitance to bet on this in either way, even though that I would typically say where I have the projection, I like the under because I have him closer to about 900-ish yards. Uh, And what do I have from here? 900 yards and like nine touchdowns. So I like the touchdown odds. But... I could be reading this incorrectly, and that's why I'm going to stay away. Because if this is a situation where Aaron Rodgers develops instant chemistry with Garrett Wilson and Lazard is used as more of a complementary piece than a 1B piece, then he has all the talent in the world to go over these numbers. So it's a stay away for me, but I I can foresee a path where he and Lazard are going to be splitting the 1A, 1B target share on this team, which will just be able to limit Wilson's production a little bit compared to what he was able to do last year. 
it's tough too, right? Because you have new quarterback, new yeah. offense. It's just a relative unknown. And then you add on top of it, somebody that Rodgers is extremely familiar with is yes. immediately drawing into the lineup, right? Those are three factors that e- immediately work into what you're talking about. And maybe this is something of me overreading it because that that last point is what concerns me. You say the little voice in the back of your head we talked about with the Stefan Diggs stuff. This is the little voice in the back of my head with Garrett Wilson. And if let's just say they're they're different players, but let's just say instead of Alan Lazard signing, it was Juju Smith Schuster. Or you know, let's say it's Odo Beckham, you know, okay. because because they reached out there. But let's say yeah. Odo Beckham, but with I don't want to say Odo Beckham because of the injury stuff, but Juju Smith Schuster. I would be a little bit less concerned because in that case, it is still a it's not the caliber of receiver that Alan Lazard is that concerns it me. It is the comfortability. It is the caliber combined with the comfortability, not only with Rodgers himself, but with the offense and the terminology. And Rodgers is going to call a lot of plays at the line. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be a guy that's going to go where he feels his he could trust that his receiver is going to be on the same page as him and be in the right spot. And I think that could benefit Lazard a lot earlier, even though that I don't think anybody would argue that that Garrett Wilson is not the more talented player. So that is my only concern. I think both guys could be used about equally with Aaron Rodgers this year. So that would be my my hold up and, and why I am putting more stock into Alan Lazard being there than I would just an equal talent caliber free agent receiver that had not played with Rodgers or in that offense before. Terry McLaurin, the next guy up for us to discuss. And Jamie, we discuss all the time about doing um, cartwheels to the podium. Yeah, I'm doing cartwheels away from the podium for this next guy. So you were already at the podium, and yes. now you're. Well, I was you're, at the podium betting. Okay. I was at the podium betting on all the other ones that I've been cartwheeling towards, and now I'm there, and we're discussing Terry McLaurin, and I'm going to cartwheel away. Uh, nine hundred okay. and a half on the yards, four and a half on the touchdowns. Look, this nine hundred and a half he's done in every year of his career. Uh, nine hundred nineteen his rookie season, then eleven hundred, a thousand, eleven hundred, basically almost twelve hundred last year. The yeah. touchdown number he's hit it every single year except one in twenty twenty. This comes down to two competing theories. There are two buckets that this fall in. You think yep. that Eric Bieniemy is going to be able to get the absolute most out of this offense and Sam Howell, and it is going to lead to the another amazingly productive season for Terry McLaurin, or you're in bucket number two, and you go, they've got a relative unknown in Sam Howell, who is a mid-round draft pick that we have no idea what he is. I am staying away from this one. And Jamie, for me right now, I am in bucket two, and that is why I'm doing the cartwheels away from the betting window. I am not touching this with a 10-foot pole. So both of those buckets have a small leak in the bottom, and it's leaking into a third bucket, which oh. is the bucket that I'm sitting oh, in, no. which is I think both can be true. But I also think that people underestimate the amount of weapons, particularly that are pass catchers, inside of this offense. Jahan Dotson really emerged last year. Curtis Samuel is a key piece that has been kind of forgotten about since he left Carolina for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I, expect, I, I expect Antonio Gibson to have a bounce-back season as a pass catcher. I think there's going to be a lot of room for a few different guys to eat within this Washington offense. And I also have some concerns about how good Sam Howell actually will be. So I think this offense can live up to its potential and use a lot of different people and still have concerns about Sam Howell. This comes across as too close to me. I have him at 1,058 yards and I have him at exactly four and a half touchdowns. So this is, this is a, a clear stay away from me. McLaurin is a, a fantastic talent. And I think that you can get a lot out of him in this new offense, but it's a crowded-ish offense. I won't say it's, it's you know, I'm not saying this is the Bengals, but it's a crowded offense. 
and it's an unproven quarterback. And you put both of those things together, I have some concerns. So this is a stay away from me as well. I'm not doing cartwheels one way or the other. But I think this 900 mark might catch some people's attention. But I really think the ball is going to get spread around a lot more. And also, by the way, I think Sam Howell using his legs is going to be a significant factor inside of this offense as well, which could take away from some of the pass attempts. So I think this is about right. I do expect McLaurin to get to 1,000 yards, but barely. Chris Olave, New Orleans Saints, another second-year player for us to discuss. We talked about Garrett Wilson earlier. Now we got Chris Olave, 1,000.5 on the yards, 5.5 on the touchdowns. Jamie, 1,042 yards for Chris Olave last year, four touchdowns. Uh, this is easy for me. He's going to be Derek Carr's favorite target. Is he? You're going to give me an op- you're going to give me a name that is going to be more targeted than Chris Olave by Derek Carr? Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas. The next time Michael Thomas plays a full healthy season, I'll uh, we can talk. This is my struggle with this because, again, this is this is another case where I feel a lot like I did with Garrett Wilson where I'm a lot lower on him than most. And I don't want to be because I've been a Chris Olave stand for a while. I do have concerns uh, about Michael Thomas coming back, eating into his role in the offense. And no, do I think Michael Thomas is going to play a 17-game season? Of course not. I'm not a lunatic. Uh, I have him down for 11 games. But even then, that's going to steal a decent amount of target share away from Chris Olave, who really benefited from being him and nobody else in that offense. Uh, I know Rashid Shahid broke out in, in in a way toward the end of last season as well. He's a – okay. And Michael Thomas played 10 games last three years. Okay. I'm not doing this. I'm not allowing Michael Thomas, who's played 10 games since 2020, to at any point influence Chris Olave's numbers. It's not happening. He played three games last year. He didn't play at all in 2021. He played seven games in 2020. He's not the player that in 2019 went for 1,725 yards. He's 30 he years need old. To be. He doesn't need to be that player. He's just Is he taking more targets away than Rashid Shahid and Traquan Smith and whomever else they he had might, in that offense If he's healthy, year. but it's a, that is a... That's Even if he's healthy for half a season, it's half it's, a half season. season might he hasn't be the played difference. a half a season since 2019. I think he's going to play half a season this year, Chris. You want to set? The, you want to set the line on games Michael Thomas plays in 2023? Is this our first bet for the prospects and props podcast between the two of us? Over under eight and a half. So does he hit the nine out of 17 or not? I'll take the under. What a stupid thing for us to bet on. By this the is way. this how it works. I'll take the under. But I'll, I'll do it. I'll do I'll it if you under. want, just okay. for just for funsies. Cool. Okay, I'm taking the over on eight and a half. I'll take the under. So I'm taking the over on Chris Olave's numbers because of that. Be, see my previous I, argument. Sure. I'm just, I'm staying away because I think we've all forgotten about Michael Thomas. And again, I don't yes, think Michael rightly Thomas is so. Be a, rightly so. Rightly so. We forgot it. about him like, because he wasn't dead. on the field, Jamie. He's, he's played 10 games since 2020. It's really easy to forget about him. He he's wasn't on dead. the field. He's going to be back. Might be you, back for half a season. But you just need back. him to play in nine games, and then you don't care what he does after that. Uh, well, look, and, and look, I'm going to look this up right now because, and, and again, I, I'm not doubting that Chris Olave is a, a great player. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying is a lot of, I, I have some concerns about being able to repeat the volume that he had last year, which again, he had 119 targets in 15 games because literally no other wide receiver on the roster had more than 39 targets, Chris. 
The wide receiver two on the stage roster last year had 39 targets. Okay. So what happens whenever if a receiver comes back and has 80? Where are those targets going to come from? Some of them will come from Kamara being gone. Sure. But where else are the targets coming from? I get your point. I just don't I, – I think ultimately Michael Thomas is going to miss enough games where it's not going to matter, and he's still going to get there. I'm staying away. Because I think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I'm staying away. Michael staying Pittman away. Jr., the next guy up. I think we can agree that we both feel very good about Michael Pittman Jr. His numbers for uh, these props, 825.5 on the yards, 4.5 on the touchdowns. Listen, Jamie, take out his rookie year. Each of the last two years, he would have hit this number. 1,000 yards in 2021, 925 in 2022. On the touchdowns, he's only hit it once in 2021. Uh, allow me to maybe make the argument that you're going to make here, or at least I, I'm going to make the argument for myself, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree or not. Guy got 141 targets last year. We've got a different quarterback. We're going from Matt Ryan to Anthony Richardson. I think the 2022 version of Matt Ryan to Anthony Richardson is an upgrade at the quarterback position. I've been on record with this. I know it might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think it is an upgrade at the position. We've got 141 targets for Michael Pittman Jr. We have Alec Pierce entering year two. We've got Josh Downs in this offense. I still believe Michael Pittman Jr. is the wide receiver one on this team. Don't mistake that for me saying I don't love Michael Pittman Jr. Don't mistake that for me thinking Michael Pittman Jr. is not going to have a good year. Are we going to see 141 targets for Michael Pittman Jr.? I don't think so. I, I don't know. We might. You understand my concern, though, with Alec yeah. Pierce developing a role late in the I, season. I do. And Josh do. Downs was a high-end draft pick for them. I, look, I, I do, but I also think this is a team that's going to have to throw plenty. Um, but they have Jonathan and, Taylor. And, that's the thing that concerns me. Yes. Early in games, and, they're going to run the ball more. And Anthony Richardson's going to run the ball. And by the way, they should. They should. But I still think – and by the way, I still think they're going to be a fairly – I'm trying to see where I have them in terms of run heaviness. I have him eleventh in the NFL, so the eleventh most run heavy team based hey, on my projections, which I think is 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 very reasonable considering that. I mean, they'd be higher if they were better. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but um, that goes to show, just, Jamie, that I think you're going to see them run the ball a lot more early in games. Yeah, and then you're saying they're going to be down late and they're going to throw the ball a ton. I agree and with I that still, thought process, but still, they're gonna they're gonna want to use Jonathan Taylor a ton. Yes, but I still think this is a team that is going to – and by the way, I'm not, I think this is independent. I think it's more so that I'm not sure the other guys are going to get as many targets as we would necessarily hope for. I could see Michael Pittman being the the safety guy for Anthony Richardson, of a guy that's going to get really? a ton of targets and, and be that option. Because here's the thing. I like Alec Pierce. He's a very incomplete wide receiver, and he's got a, he's got a lot of growing he's going to do to be a, a wide receiver too. I like Josh Downs a lot. Uh, him and who, who else is in the slot there? McKenzie? I'm trying to remember who else said that, well, he's, yes. that he's going to be competing with there. He can be a 50-50 guy, and, and I guess so can Pierce, but Pittman is going to convert him at a much higher level. I get there being a little bit of concern here, but I still think Pittman gets to 1,000 yards. I'm at 5.7 touchdowns, not enough that I, I, I would bet. And I'm probably not betting on either one of these. There's not a huge enough difference, but I think it would be – smart of Anthony Richardson to target Michael Pittman 140 times in this offense this year or whatever ratio that ends up being. I think it's possible. And I hope we see a big step forward from Alec Pierce. I hope we see Josh Downs or Isaiah McKenzie emerge as that quality slot option uh, that Matt Ryan took advantage of last year when Paris Campbell was that guy. But Michael Pittman Jr. is the best pass catcher on that roster. And, and yeah, I know I, I – 
clearly. I know there are other little pieces that you like, you know, like Jelani Woods. We love Nick Michael. Allen. We love Michael Pittman Jr. on this show. I think if Anthony Richardson is to have the most amount of success as a thrower this year, he needs to target Pittman a lot. We've got, four, we've got four more wide receivers for us to discuss. The next guy up, Christian Kirk, Jamie, 825.5 on the yards, 5.5 on the touchdowns. The 5.5 on the touchdowns he's done twice. He did it in 2020 with the Cardinals and then did it last year with the Jags. The yards at 825, he's done twice as well each of the last two seasons, his first year in Jacksonville and his last year in Arizona. This number feels relatively low from what we've seen from Christian Kirk the last two seasons. He's been healthy both of those years, playing in 17 games both years. We saw what year one of this looked like with Trevor Lawrence, but the big elephant in the room is now that Calvin Ridley's back. And what does this offense look like? And I think that's what you're seeing here with these numbers is there is a question mark of what is this truly going to look like now with Calvin Ridley back in the fold. And there may be no bigger Calvin Ridley fan that is like pounding the table for him than I have on this show. Yet I still think that these numbers are a little too, what's the word, are giving Ridley a little too much credit. Okay. So I think there's room in this offense for both Kirk and Ridley to be thousand yard receivers. I and agree. I liked what, again, I liked the progression of Kirk throughout his time in Arizona. He obviously took a big step after everybody stopped laughing about the contract. He was a huge piece of what the Jaguars did last year. And, and I would say they probably don't make the playoffs without him okay. if they didn't make that signing. So I'd like to add something. Um, you know what? I'll use yeah. one. I'll use one. I've got one That's remaining. your second time out. One remaining. Everybody knows my thoughts on Calvin Ridley, and I've mentioned that I'm yeah. concerned about him walking back in after the time off to a new offense, and I've got a lot of question marks there. But you, you said yeah. that there's the potential in this offense for them to both be 1,000-yard receivers. I agree 100%. Here's an interesting wrinkle to this, Jamie. Let me know what you think about it. Okay. If it is a slow start for Calvin Ridley in his Jags career, where he, it's he's just slow getting back, he doesn't have the chemistry yet, and it just takes time. Christian Kirk's going to be the guy. Like, he's going to be the, the yeah. go-to option. And so for me, as somebody who sits here and goes, hmm, I don't know if Calvin Ridley's really going to burst onto the scene the way everybody thinks he's going to in 2023. I look at this Christian Kirk number and say, hmm, I think you're kind of discounting Christian Kirk too much. I, I think they are. I mean, I have him at 1,068 yards and seven touchdowns. So, I mean, I have him significantly above this. And I think both guys are going to succeed partially because of each other. I think you look about Calvin Ridley and his career journey has been fascinating. You know, he, he did his best work when he was up and coming behind Julio Jones. And then if you remember that Julio Jones left, it was supposed to be Calvin Ridley's year, plays part of a season, underperforms, leaves with injury, then suspended a full year because of the betting. I think both of these receivers will benefit from having the other on the field. And I think Trevor Lawrence is obviously clearly the biggest beneficiary of having both these guys on the field. But I agree with you. I, I I think this number is assuming that Christian Kirk's workload is going to drop massively. I don't see it. Like I still think Christian Kirk can be a 120, 130 target guy in this offense, even with Calvin Ridley. George Pickens, next guy up for us to discuss. 750 and a half yeah. on the yards, four and a half on the touchdowns. Jamie Cartwheels. Cartwheels. Maybe a front flip. Yeah. I'm going to front flip and yeah, land I, at the betting window. I'm with you. I'm probably staying. I may have him at 5.55 touchdowns. touchdowns you can just yeah, take or leave with the touchdowns. I think he's a thousand yard guy. He had 1,050. He, he had 801. He played in all 17 games. He only got to play what half that season with Pickett by the time they, they made the change yeah. and put Pickett in. And he was he was objectively better with Kenny Pickett right. than he was and so prior. You're going to give me a full season of Kenny Pickett. You're telling me we can't get better than 801 yards. What am I missing? What 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 what's conf what what what's I, going on here? From what I understand, and I haven't delved 
too deep into this specific element because obviously I have my own numbers that I work with to come up with these projections. But uh, I know there were some analytics out there that said George Pickens was one of the like one of the worst receivers in football last year, and some uh, and. I also would, in terms of, and definitely in terms of separation, I would also argue that if you, and I watched a lot of George Pickens because he was a guy in the back half of the season I had a weird number of like prop bets on. So if any of you out there have this experience, you know, nobody knows every single route that somebody runs better than when you have a prop bet on them. And you know, every time they're open, they don't get the ball every time all this other stuff. Pickens was not put in positions to succeed very often. And he was succeeding despite the you know, third time I'm out. I'm going to use it. Hey, uh, we got a lot of oh, show wow. left. We got two receivers. I'm going to use it. It's because of who the offensive coordinator is, and they didn't make a change with the offensive coordinator, which concerns well, me look, greatly. Yes, but I would also say that you're looking at this team, and you now have a full season without Claypool, um, which should help a little bit. Again, you're freeing up target share. I don't think Calvin Austin or Allen Robinson are going to steal a ton of targets away from him. Uh, to me, this number is just too low. I understand what the concerns are about Pickens, but I still believe in his talent. I believe in – again, I feel like nobody wants to give – we talked about this, Kenny Pickett, any credit for last year. I feel like people didn't watch him. I really do. I feel like people have box score scouted Kenny Pickett. And again, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's any of that. But he is a perfectly capable, low-end starting caliber quarterback, which is the player we all thought he would be when he came out. And by the way, he was one of the better quarterbacks down the stretch last year. Gets no credit for it because everybody's been box score scouting this entire time. Again, I'm not saying he's a superstar. I'm not saying George Pickens doesn't get 1,500 yards. But I do think he can absolutely be a 1,000-yard receiver in this offense. And I expect this team that's overall this offense is a little bit better than it was last year. Unfortunately, they still have the giant anchor that is Matt Belarus uh, at offensive coordinator that is just dragging them down. I hope people understand that reference. Uh, Long-time listeners of the it's show. It's been a few weeks. It's been a few yes, weeks since we weeks. discussed it. So if you if you didn't catch that episode, you're not going to understand uh, the importance of that. Uh, Jamie, Jackson. By the way, and, and one last point on this, and I know I've mentioned this before, but again, this is a guy that can have success without a ton of targets. Uh, I do think he's going to be a triple-digit target guy in this offense. But he is somebody that is – obviously his targets are a little – I should say the targets are riskier and not that like the the uh, the idea of getting the targets are risky, but the types of targets he gets are not as easily convertible uh, as some other receivers. So he his, his catch percentage and things of that nature aren't going to be as good as some of the other top receivers. But this is also a guy that can get you 80, 90 yards on three catches. Jackson Smith and Jigba, a rookie, makes uh, their way into uh, makes his way into our list here. Uh, Seven hundred and twenty-five on the yards, nothing on the touchdowns. Jimmy, I have no historical data to give you for Jackson Smith and yeah. Jigba whether or not he hits these numbers. Uh, this feels you a look little sweet high. In those throwback. I can tell you, look sweet in those throwback uniforms, though. I, this number feels a little you, high for a wide receiver three in the Seattle Seahawks offense. I'm a little concerned. And that's my concern. And and I and I've raised this concern when we've talked about this before. I have him down for six hundred and thirty-six yards, and. Uh, again, it's not a talent issue. Uh, he was my personal wide receiver one coming out in this class. Uh, I like the long-term role for him in Seattle, but it's going to take an injury. And, and if we've talked a lot about uh, – man, we talked earlier about Miami having that like binary offense. It goes to Tyreek Hill. It goes to Jalen Waddle when they throw. 
In the last few years in Seattle, whether it's been Russell Wilson or whether it's been Geno Smith, it's been either goes to DK Metcalf or it goes to Tyler Lockett at a ridiculously high clip. Now, part of that is because there hasn't been a viable third receiving option. We've had tight ends come in the mix here and there, but there hasn't been a viable third wide receiver in. All right, so it's been a long time. It's been a really long time since it's been a viable third wide receiver in Seattle. So that does change the equation a little bit, but I still don't see a massive target share getting ripped away from Metcalf or ripped away from Lockett. So if both those guys stay relatively healthy this year, I don't see Jason hitting this number. He's going to need an injury to one of the guys above him, I think, to go over here. And when that's the case, and let's be honest, neither one of these guys has a long history of missing half a season or anything. I don't want to root for that. This is going to be a stay away for me. Uh, I think this is a reasonable number, but I don't think he gets there. Last guy for up uh, up for us to discuss, Tim Patrick, Denver Broncos, 525.5 is the yards. Uh, he has hit this number each of the last two years. I now cede the rest of my time to the chief uh, member of the Tim Patrick fan club. The rest <laughs> yeah. of the show is yours. Um, I like the over a little bit, but not enough to bet on it. I have him at 622. Um, I think you have to consider the injury history that, that has happened here. You have to consider the crowded room in Denver and a new coach. Who's going to win out? You have Sutton. You have Judy. You have Tim Patrick coming back. They drafted Marvin Mims. You still have KJ Hamler. Uh, you have Greg Dolchitz at, at tight end. There's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense, and we don't really fully know how this offense is going to work. Um, and quite frankly, we don't have a long history of Tim Patrick because of the injury with Russell Wilson that we have with Judy or Sutton, not that either one of them is a long history, but at least it's most of a season. So I think this number is about right. I have, but I understand wanting to stay away from this as I do because there's concerns about, okay, where are the target's going to go? Is he going to stay healthy? There's just too many question marks. There's target concerns, there's health concerns, there's coaching concerns, there's volume concerns. I get it. Um, I'm a big fan of Tim Patrick. I think you could argue that he's probably – at his best, the second best receiver on this roster behind Jerry Judy, uh, in my in my humble opinion. However, my opinion doesn't mean shit. It's all about what the opinion of Sean Payton e is. It's about the health of Get Tim the e Patrick. In there. And it's about who stays healthy. Let's be honest. This entire team is not a pillar of health at the pass catching positions. So it's a matter of who stays healthy at those spots that are, that are going to be the guys that put up numbers. So if you're willing to bet on Tim Patrick being the guy that stays healthy, obviously he has a low bar to clear. 525 and a half is not a high bar to clear, but he's got some guys in front of him. But I don't know. I, this We've talked about it before, and I feel like I've said this is the seventh. By the way, take a shot every time I say we've talked about on this yep. episode and you'd be dead. 100%. I feel like I've said that. I feel like I've talked about that a lot this episode. Uh, you want to bet on these Broncos pass catchers? I no. don't. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't know. Not yet. Not yet. Need more time. Need, need a bigger sample size. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to bet on them when we we know we talked about in our last episode about weekly plays. I don't even know if I feel confident in that. Right. On right. a on a given week, maybe if a couple guy a guy or two's hurt. I don't know. By the way, Chris, while you were gone uh, on your on your trip, did you notice? Did you know that there was an unironic uh, Russell Wilson's in the best shape of his life tweet that went out? Love that. Love that for the the brand on the show. That's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Uh, that is Best shape of his life. That is going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. We've got takes on takes uh, for you tomorrow and uh, some. Hey, fun Chris, stuff. time out. Did you know there are no Denzel Mims props? It's very interesting. Yeah.
Yeah, I'm going to take a big L on that one because I'm I, I do a Jets show, um, and on our last episode we discussed the wide receiver rankings, and I had Mims in the room to make the team because I thought after all this time they were going to give him another chance to make the team, and I thought he was going to make the team with Randall Cobb, and now it looks like Randall Cobb is going to be on the pup list, and they're going to get rid of Denzel Mims, so and so I have no idea who's going to be on this roster. Well, because they have a thousand receivers. Well, they do. Yeah, Wilson. They- like your top four is set, right? I mean, it's Wilson, Lazard, Hardman, and Davis. Correct. And then it's like a mix of oh, just guys. I know you had Mims and Cobb. And, yes. I mean, how many receivers are you keeping? I think they'll keep six. Because nobody plays special teams. <laughs> Mims does. Mims played special teams last year. Well, I mean, he's not going to be on the roster. I mean, well, so, I know. Like, That's why I thought he was a lock because he played special teams. Cobb shouldn't play special teams. No, you cannot have that guy play special teams. I don't know what I mean. Okay. Do. Okay. I, I get I. Miko Hardman is a returner. I I get that. When I I meant more for yes, like I knew exactly what you meant. That's why we, depth options. Yes, that's why we're talking yes, about. But Denzel. yes, I know Miko is going to yeah. probably punt. Is he going to kick return? I don't. Know. Does kick returning matter anymore? No, Will gonna, there you, ever be kick returns? No, you're just going to wait cares? for a catch most of the time anyway. Uh, so but we, but we, we, return punts. We spent way more time on Denzel Mims than we needed to there uh, at the end of the show. Correct. We've got uh, takes on takes for you tomorrow, uh, and then we've got a, a good host of shows for you next week. We're going to talk about yes. QB interception props. We've got some tight ends props coming up for you next week. All sorts of 11 different stuff. tight ends, I think. It's a big group. 11 I, tight end I, props. Yeah, that's a big group. I think we do that on, um, I think that's Tuesday show next week, I think, or maybe Mondays. Yes. It's one of the two. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out. We're, we're gonna, we we want to react to some of the news and notes and right, stuff. So we may do that on Monday. Too late, so and, we'll see. Because yeah. training camp's starting. Like, yeah. rookies are reporting as we're, as we're talking right now. So. so we'll have some stuff to discuss. So uh, just stay tuned. But all that stuff you're going to have next week, uh, please rate, review, subscribe. Share the show. Greatly do appreciate it. You got the video version of the podcast over on the YouTube channel, The Draft Network. Just head on over there. Like, subscribe, uh, give the video a thumbs up. Do all those things. We greatly do appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. Appreciate every single one of you making this show part of your day. Jamie's burning through all of his timeouts. Uh, I've hit the, the latest show. timeout in the history of history. I, I also feel like I should know because I have been asked about this. Uh, wide receiver 39. What that represents it's where I have DeAndre Hopkins ranked now that he's a Tennessee Titan. Felt like you could so, have led the show with that instead of waiting for right this second. I time. almost I forgot about it uh, because we were talking about a lot of other wide receivers, and obviously there are no Hopkins props yet. Maybe they'll show up at some point. But uh, for those, this is your reward for not signing off when Chris starts his sign off. So uh, otherwise, if you did sign off already, you're not listening to me. And uh, guess what? You don't get to find out unless you go on the draftnetwork.com. That's going to do it for us. Talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.